Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. Real Estate Coaching Radio is the nation's number one daily radio show for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Get ready for fluff-free, unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what's truly working to get you into action, helping others, and making money now in today's real estate market. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Welcome back. We have a fantastic part two show for you today. And provided I keep uh, myself from yapping for 20 minutes, then Julie will actually be able to finish up her points. <laughs> um, and these points are some of the, I think, the most salient, relevant, to-the-point points that we can make with regards to wealth accumulation. Julie, I believe I've unmuted you. Oh, you might need to call back in. Yep, call back in. All right, so what we're going to be focusing on is part two, which is the ultimate guide to getting everything you want in life, part two. And in today's podcast, we're going to be hopefully finishing up the points that we started yesterday. Um, I want to first of all thank all of you who have uh, communicated with Julie and I in the various ways that we're easily communicated with and uh, given us feedback on the show. And, and really, I am. It, it really is a emotional response that – Julie and I have to some of the stories that you guys tell us. And it's fascinating to me how our message seems to appeal to people. I mean, it makes sense to me, obviously, but it's, it's, I really appreciate the fact, and I hear you, Julie, so many of you are finding what Julie and I are saying, regardless of your production levels, to be something that is um, useful. So we've got lots of top producing agents that are um, coaching clients. We've, you know, we had, in the past 30 days, we've had probably, I don't know, three or four coaching clients that have um, wanted us to coach them personally who are selling, say, 200 to 300 houses per year. Um, and it's interesting talking with them. Most of them have gone up and down the mountain with regards to doing all the dumb things, frankly, forming the teams, doing the marketing, trying to buy the leads. They've all sort of had these experiences, and they discover our podcast, and they feel vindicated I think would be the right word that um, you know they because they realized having actually tried to do all those dumb ideas that they don't that they'll work you can sell more units but you won't make any profit or you make so little profit it's not worth having done in, in the first place and that statement I say with a 100% confidence especially in a day and age where so many of you are buying leads buying leads now is you know it's transmuted into something beyond just buying leads from Zillow or it's now the amount of referral fees that you folks are voluntarily signing yourselves up for at every turn on the road. That's still buying business. That's still buying leads. And if you've then got to share your commissions and you've got to just support the support structure in place, to, I mean, literally teams are making no money. And a slight fart in the market is going to cause you uh, with teams to lose money. Now, we, that message is not something that is very popular or trendy because everybody's been beating on the team drum for so, for so long that very few people are willing to tell the truth about what a really bad business model that is. It's just a terrible business model. Um, and again, you know, there it is. You're either ready, ready to sit down and have a coming to Jesus session with your profit and loss statement or you're not. And when you do and you realize what we're saying is true, that's when a lot of you realize that, oh, my gosh, what was wrong? Was I making a mistake? Am I not a good leader? Did I not manage my people right? Did I da, 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 da. So you guys start beating yourselves up um, because your team was so unprofitable. What you're not realizing, and I think this is the, the uh, vindication aspect of it, 
is that the business model itself was crap, not you. You're fine. Chances are you're a rock star. You just basically thought because you were pressured, your ego was susceptible to listening to the idea that your next natural step after you start selling real estate and become moderately successful is to start adding staff and build a team. That is a stupid business decision for 90% of you. And Julie and I are the only ones saying it. And the reason that we're the only ones saying it, I know why we're the only ones saying it, is because everybody else who has any sort of moderate stage in the real estate industry has been such a proponent of teams for so long that for them to start being truthful about what crappy business models those are, they would then have to basically erase, 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 you know, 10, 15, 20 years worth of what they've publicly said, and they can't do it. So they're not telling you the truth, not because they don't know it. They're not telling you, they're not telling you the truth because if they did, it would invalidate themselves as any sort of uh, go-to expert. And I think some of you guys are realizing that. I know a lot of you are realizing that. Last quarter of last year, um, gave some of you the first touch on what a market slowdown feels like. And obviously things have, for the most part, have returned to what it was like last year across the country. So many of you are feeling these robust markets again. But I want you to remember the, you know, the punch in the head that you had fourth quarter of last year and first quarter probably for some of you of this year. And you've got to stay in connection with the fact that if that happens again, which it will, um, that you're going to then experience, especially if you have these big teams, you're going to experience a massive market. You're going to, you're going to experience financial absolute ruin, and that's what happens, and it happens faster than you think. Uh, I was just on a coaching call with somebody who's a uh, brokerage. He doesn't, he doesn't own it. There's three owners of this brokerage, and they're really smart, nice guys, but their whole business model was built around buying leads, and they've got these really expensive, fancy lead distribution, lead scoring. They've built a really beautiful technical system on the back end predicated on buying leads, referring those buyer leads to their agents that work in their office, and then basically you know, that model worked relatively well for five or six years. And now they're losing money. And they, they opened up like I think five or six of these brokerages around um, mostly the Midwest. And the brokerages, all with the exception of maybe one or two, are all losing money. Those guys are not going to make a shift in the market. They're not going to make a pivot because now they've got all these agents that are essential. So what they did is they basically tried to scale the team model. In essence, that's what they did. So – then the other side of all of you, the uh, the other big group of people that listen to us, you know. So I would say recovering team uh, people, recovering people that made a lot of bad business decisions. They, you know, discover Julie and I, and what we say makes sense, and they have the experience to know, the unfortunate experience in some cases to know that what we're telling them is the truth. Um, and so they feel again, finally, they're listening to somebody who's actually going to tell them what they've always wanted to know, which is how to get rich, where your money works for you and you no longer work for your money. Right? Nothing wrong with that. The other big group of people that we get emails from are brand new agents, and I buy brand new. I think two years or less, you're brand new, basically, unless you've sold a lot of houses, which you probably haven't. And uh, those are the agents I am actually most encouraged by because they don't have a bunch of bad habits and they also don't have a bunch of uh, misinformation that their egos have to parse through before they can see the light through the trees. You understand? So if you've been inundated for the past forever with all this misinformation about real estate in general and business management and all this other pseudoscience crap that people have just, you know, basically become institutionalized. If you're a newer agent and you don't have to wade through all of that, you're going to experience success thousand times faster than, say, an agent that's in the middle group. And the middle group agents are sometimes the hardest ones to reach because they're confused. They've probably committed to a path 
they're adding staff members or they're believing that they have to buy their business and their egos won't let them admit that it's a bad idea even if they hear us tell them even if we have experts on that prove it even if they do the math and their accountant tells them it's a bad business move they still will stay committed oftentimes to those bad business plans until they experience a colossal failure because they don't want to admit that it was a bad decision to go down that path in the first place. So those are really the first – or those are the three definable groups that I notice that we get a, a lot of attraction. You guys are finding us on the podcast. You're sharing our podcast, and it's really – for Julie and I, especially at this point in our careers, it's massively rewarding for us to uh, contribute even a tiny little grain of wisdom to your lives to make your lives easier. So, Julie, I believe you're live now. Yes, I hope so. Otherwise, I'm talking to yes. myself. So, yes. All right. Well, happens sometimes. I saw you rocking in a corner the other day talking to yourself. It was after a rough coaching call, let me tell you. Just kidding. <laughs> Anything okay. from you would like to share with listeners from uh, your uh, communiques with folks around the country? Because the you podcast know, I, listenership I to, is skyrocketing again. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, I know. It's great. Uh, I think that uh, what I'm seeing is, yes, the markets are adjusting, not you know dramatically for most people, but I'm so proud of especially our elite coaching clients who have to put up with us week in and week out, who are being very tuned in to things like price reductions. They're doing things that they didn't have to do in a hotter market, such as really keeping track of the number and frequency of showings, actually getting feedback where before, you know, if something sold right away, you didn't really have to worry about that because the feedback was, here's your contract. Uh, even if it sits for two or three weeks, they're finding out what is it? Is it because the buyer's still looking? Is it because they found something that was the same price range, but new construction and they liked new construction better that overcame some of the, you know, feedback items, they didn't want to sign up for beat-up cabinets or for carpets needed replaced, all that kind of stuff. So then the agent has to go and counsel the seller to either adjust the price or to remedy those feedback items. So it's not that the market's hitting the wall and that everything's disaster and short sale and REO everywhere. We're far from that. It's more of a uh, being more cautious about how you handle each listing going in. I see agents being more careful about their initial pricing Instead of throwing a dart at the wall and hoping it appraises, they're being more careful because they know if they're not, they're going to be signed up for price reduction conversations, which nobody really wants. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm really proud of them for being, you would say, being more frosty, being more tuned into the situation. And I know that they're going to benefit by happier sellers and more repeat and referral business. So it's worth the extra effort. So just a, a general shout out to those of you who get it, whether you're our coaching clients or our podcast listeners, your sellers absolutely will thank you. And the flip side to it is the agents that aren't doing that, your sellers are. They are watching the market. They are watching what, what is selling that they used to compete with. And they're getting a little bit more, uh, I don't want to say finicky because it is your job to sell the property. They're just being a little bit more picky about how they go about it. So, that's something to chew on. Back to you. No, I agree. That's you know, I was on a coaching call this morning with a uh, client whose average sale price is probably four million, and he has got mm -hmm. his magic number of listings exceeded. So he's got a number of enough listings to meet or exceed. You know, guys, fill out the real estate treasure map. You'll understand what I mean by that. And he's already closed or has pending and closed sixty million so far this year. And, um, you know, what our conversation was about is he wants to make sure that the listings he's got sell. And so we went through his list of his listings, and we sort of focused in on the ones that we figured were most sellable. 
and also the sellers were most motivated, and we added up what the commissions would be. And get this, you know who I'm talking about. From the sale of the mm-hmm. listings that he's got, provided we can get those ones sold, which we think we can. I keep on saying we, but it's obviously him with all my coaching clients. I always say our business and we. Would, you know, it's so funny. I can't disassociate mm-hmm. that. But anyway, so um, – yeah, so if he sells, uh, basically what it amounts to is he's got enough available inventory that once we sell something like just a third of it, he's going to have over $100 million closed this year, 120 with a couple of buyers he's got bubbling. And that's kind of amazing. You know, it's fantastic. It, you know, that's a blessing of a really kick-ass price range. Uh, but really what the focus is now with him is we're going to have to have, just like you just said, a lot of coaching calls and how to have very elegant delicate, you know, uh, conversations with very, very rich sellers and um, making them realize the pain and suffering that's associated with not. So, you know, what we're talking about on his calls, we're talking about, for example, ask, learning how to ask questions and get the sell, t- you know, take the temperature of the seller as far as their willingness to hear the truth. And um, he, his big issue, and this is an issue with our biggest, you know, clients out in L.A. too, is the sellers can rent some of these palatial palaces out for twenty, twenty-five thousand dollars a month, and they're getting those fat checks, and they think that, well, I'm good. And so what he and I figured out was a way to go about explaining to the sellers that even if you are making these big rent checks, gross revenue does not equal what you actually think. When you take into account the, you know, the carrying cost of said property, that's an obvious expense. But then there's the um, essentially the inevitable repairs once that tenant changes hands. And a big-ass house is going to be a lot of repairs. The tenant certainly wasn't paying attention to. But then the big one was, what's the depreciation? Like, do you have confidence? And a lot of these big houses, the reason that a lot of them go into the rental pool is because they don't sell, because the sellers aren't willing to lower the price. And, and a lot of sellers, especially in his market, they don't have the expectation that the price is going to be better tomorrow or two years from now. They have the expectation that the price is actually going to fall. So in, uh, in his market, buyers are not willing to buy unless they are buying at what they feel to be next year's price. Hopefully you guys who are dealing with this problem understand and appreciate what I'm trying to share with you. So the moral of the story is, Rob and I are going to do some math on his most sellable listings, and we're going to figure out hypothetically where those would be worth on the market a year from now, considering the downward slope of the property values, and that's going to be the target price, and we're going to build some scripts and some adjustment plans around those sellers, you know, around uh, essentially around every individual seller because, again, he's dealing with people that don't need the 10 or $12 million that comes from the sale of the property. You guys understand what I'm saying? They can grab the money from the back pocket, the front pocket, or yesterday's jeans. I mean, these are not – these are well-off folks. So uh, the conversations we're going to have with them are it's going to have to prove to them that the house, even with the rental income – is going to actually it's in the negative now when you take into consideration the losses of the property over a year and then there's even more complexity how many of these houses have basically been written off on these guys uh, taxes uh, as uh, rental properties and then there's going to be the recapture and then there's the right that you know if they've depreciated then there's going to be the recapture and do they have enough expenses to offset there's certainly no gain. So this is a very complicated thing, whereas most of these sellers that he's running across are just looking at that fat check that they're getting every month. They, even sophisticated, wealthy people aren't looking at this from a 360-degree perspective. And once they do, they're going to realize that the only move is to price it for where it would sell next spring. 
or next summer. And that's what we're going to do. And that's how we're going to get these big dogs sold. So if you're in a situation like that and you need my help, you might want to, you know, frankly, text me 512-758-0206. So by the way, I was just talking about the real estate treasure map. I know I said that too fast. 512-758-0206. So I was just talking about the real estate treasure map. And uh, I was talking about uh, a lot of the other things we've, you know, teach our coaching clients. These are all copywritten concepts that you're only going to get from Tim and Julie, which, by the way, you can read a lot about in our book, Harris Rules, which goes for sale um, on, in about a month. Actually, now, and I think about it, about 20 days. It's in pre-sale now. It's Harris Rules over on Amazon. The Green Book, definitely grab your early copy. That would be fantastic. I'm so much looking forward to you guys getting a hold of that and giving us more reviews. The old book had over 300 five-star reviews and it was an international bestseller. I'm thinking this one's even going to be more, frankly. So, an event, what we're going to focus on with regards to, uh, you know, if you guys want to get the free books, the Real Estate Treasure Map and the other books, all you've got to do is text the word Harris, H-A-R-R-I-S, to 31996. Text the word Harris to 31996. And when you do, not only are we going to give you the free books, you're going to have those as instant downloads. You're also going to be entitled to a free coaching call with one of our new member coaches. What they're specifically going to focus on, um, the coaching call with you, is they're going to go through your 12-month lead generation plan um, and uh, focus on really, frankly, what's most important to you. They're their aim, obviously, is to introduce you to the Premier Coaching Program, but regardless of whether you enroll or not, you're still going to get something from the session. In addition to that, you also get the free books. The Real Estate Treasure Map, you have to get, you have to download. It's mandatory for all of our podcast listeners to have that because it is your fill-in-the-blank 12-month business plan, but it also is your 12-month uh, uh, you know, it goes just beyond business. It's also personal as well. We strongly encourage you to fill it out, complete it, especially the goals section with your spouse, partner, or whatnot. So text the word Harris, H-A-R-R-I-S, to 31996. Ms. Harris, the floor is yours. Yes. All right. Thank you for that. And I think that we uh, left off. Remember, we're talking about the ultimate guide to getting everything you want in life. So if you missed part one, go to realestatecoachingradio.com and get caught up because I'm starting on Point four, which seems a little counterintuitive, and you just mentioned, you know, when you do the real estate treasure map and you're doing your goal setting to involve your spouse or your partner, et cetera, some people involve their kids um, or young millennials, maybe your parents, okay? But by and large, point number four is this, by and large, keep the goal to yourself. So why is that? When you talk about your big goals, you sometimes are opening yourself up to criticism, to speculation, to all kinds of weird feelings and judgmentalism from friends, family, neighbors, other agents, even your brokers sometimes will try and, you know, throw a wet blanket on that. So your goals are your goals. The reason that we recommend that you do share them with your spouse and your family members is because that is a group of people that you'd better have their buy-in especially on days where you're having to do the things that you don't want to do when you don't want to do them at a high level, quite possibly for more time in the day than you would like, maybe not every day, but you're going to have those days where you've got not one but two listing appointments in the evening, where you have to do a lot of preparation and CMAs and previewing before so you're sure that you take those listings because when you close them, those will lead to the accomplishment or at least get you closer to the accomplishment of those goals that you have for yourself and your family. If you don't have your family buy-in, especially your spouse and our partner, et cetera, then it's making everything that much harder. And I know for some of you listening, that's the case, and I'm sorry, but for, some of, for part of that crowd, 
some of this is on you for not sharing what those goals are and explaining that this type of work isn't going to go on forever. It's just till I achieve my magic number and then it's smooth sailing. I just repeat, you know, lather, rinse, repeat and replace those listings as they sell. Not explaining this causes consternation, fear of the unknown. Maybe your spouse doesn't have a lot of confidence in what you're doing and that creates conflict, not because they don't really have confidence in you, but because they don't really understand how the real estate model works. You've never shared the concept of spokes in the wheel or maintaining a uh, daily minimum standard schedule or what the magic number of listings is. Once you do that, things get a lot easier. They see that you're not just throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks. You're actually following a real plan. And that's why the real estate treasure map is so robust. It's not, um, you know, it's not a free little business plan that you can download from the internet. It's super personalized to you. So be careful with that. But as far as outside of your family and friend and maybe close friends, uh, keep the goal to yourself. You can share it with your coaches, of course. We know what uh, very specific things about our coaching clients' goals. But do you want to really talk about it with the agent in the cubicle next to you? Probably not. Anything you want to add to that, Tim? Because it is a counterintuitive point. Well, I mean, when I was thinking, when you were talking, I was actually thinking back when you and I were selling real estate at REMAX North. And you and I sold 104 houses our first mm -hmm. year. And I was thinking back to what agent in that office I would have actually felt comfortable sharing our ambitions with. And the answer was maybe two, maybe one. And that was yeah. Rory, the broker. You know, and yep. the reason is, is because most people are going to be, they would have, they would have crapped on our goals. They would have told us we couldn't do it. They would have said, oh, you got to do a bunch. They would have given us a bunch of shit information. And I think mm -hmm. that, well, I know that they would have done it without necessarily, uh, you know, intending to be harmful, but they definitely would have done it out of a sense of competition, you know, and this idea that people are somehow going to just not want to, oh, my biggest competitor is myself. That's so that's that's more of that feel-good bullshit that you guys need to avoid. Your biggest competitor is not yourself. Your biggest competitor is the person who's trying to get the same money that you're chasing, okay? That's the reality of it. The only one listing contract gets signed. Only one commission check, well, if there's a buyer side, I suppose, you know, we focus on teaching you guys how to be listing agents, gets paid, you know? So don't be fooled into thinking that your advice you're going to get from the agent the cubicle over is going to be even worth remotely listening to. And by the way, the same goes through when you start post focusing and believing stuff that you see online. Those people have the same, you know, maybe subconscious motivations and intent not to have you excel beyond what they reasonably think they can do. So you're going to have a harder time when you decide to be exceptional in life. This is true in any aspect. You're going to have a harder time finding people that are in alignment with, you know, same or similar goals as you. They're out there, but I, here's what I discovered, Julie discovered, and all of our other clients have discovered too. They will discover you, and you'll discover them when you're on the ascension, okay? You're not going to discover them unless you're in action because, like Julie and I were talking yesterday, we love where we live, okay? We love all the people. It's wonderful, everything about it. But we're not sure if we want to live here for our entire lives. And the reason is, is because it's not – it's very difficult for Julie and I to find friends, adult friends, um, that frankly can put up with Julie because she's so obnoxious. Mm, nice. <laughs> I knew you weren't listening. <laughs> I just got you. No, I'm it's hard listening. for us to – it's hard for us to find so friends where we can have a conversation that's more than just talking about kids and the weather and just the normal cursory things that are going to be, um, you know, having shared experiences like what we've had. You know, you go out to dinner with somebody and you, you, you just want to talk about, they want to talk about vacationing and whatnot, and you want to share with them some experience you had when you were at some, you know, exotic port of call, but you realize you can't 
because they can't even conceive of having that experience. That sort of limits the a number of people that we can comfortably associate with where it doesn't where it do, where it feels relaxing, right? You guys understand what I'm saying. When when we sit around, when us when Julie and I do a group uh, have a meeting and we're hanging out with you guys, yes, the income disparity is you know not small, but the reality of it is we're all breathing the same air because we're trying to all aspire to something better. Otherwise, we wouldn't have been in that room together. Especially when we run into podcast listeners and people who bought our book. Um, or just people in general. I mean, when Julie and I go to a, um, you know, we, th- so you guys get the point here, okay? So it's the exposure to the people, the, your, your, the group of people around you have more influence on you than you think. It's more, it's the, so you got to be really careful, not just the people that you physically have around you, but the people you uh, have around you digitally. So all around you are people that probably are not going to even remotely um, and motivate you or encourage you to become a better version of yourself. They're not aspirational. And in some cases, there's this like insidious undertone in our country right now that actually makes it so that people who are aspirational are seen as somehow, I don't even know what the word is, social lepers, in a, for example. I mean, just for me to say, you know, your goal is to be rich where your money works for you and you, you no longer work for your money. I've gotten emails about that where people say, my goal is not to be rich. I think that my – they're sending me these socialist communist messages, and they don't even realize where their thinking comes from. Uh, I mean, look, I'm off on a tangent, obviously, but that's what I do. So, Julie, I'm going to shut up, and you can get to the next point. <laughs> <laughs> well, <clears throat> just to uh, segue somehow here. Um, I, Good luck. where was I, I, I was, I was, uh, with Zoe at a toy store, not that that ever happens, but one of the guys that runs a toy store is a millennial and you know, he, he was, I asked him how he was and he's like, well, I, I'm terrible. I'm dealing with like double knee surgery. I'm like, I'm sorry to hear that. How, how can somebody your age have double knee surgery? Well, he had done a bunch of crazy hiking and stuff like this when he was even younger and busted his knees up. And he, he made this comment. He said, you know, us millennials are all about, you know, just volunteering our time and working for our passion. He goes, that's all well and good until you need surgery and you don't have health insurance. Yep. <laughs> and I thought, well, isn't that interesting that he's uh, become so introspective maybe a little bit earlier than he would have given the surgery situation. So, you know, that's that whole, um, you know, following your warm and fuzzies versus actually earning a living and creating a profit and then becoming wealthy. And then you can go back to, you know, hiking in the rainforest and blowing your kneecaps out if you want to. <laughs> so just as That's an good aside. fun. All right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, whatever turns you on. So uh, point number five, and I think this is really important because this is a mindset thing. Use your goals as a, quote, black hole of all-encompassing energy, thought, effort, and emotion so that everything gets sucked into that goal. It's got to be that important. I had a, a uh, kind of a come-to-Jesus kind of call with an agent this morning, who was trying to get to a really big jump goal year over year uh, in production. And, you know, she's got good reason for that. But she's, she's doing about 80% of her plan, and the 20% that she's avoiding is the difference between here and what the big goal is. And I had to ask her, you know, how all-encompassing is this? Uh, is it a black hole of energy, thought, effort, and emotion? Or is it just kind of a fleeting thought that, yeah, you know, it would be nice to do that? So we had to talk about that. Your goals have to be that important. It's, it's just like, you know, 
many people struggle with doing the things in your schedule that you really don't want to do. You got to realize that that's part of that all-encompassing importance of your goal. Because if you're not doing the things that you don't want to do when you don't want to do them at a high level, some of you, it's the at a high level that's the issue. You're doing the things, but you're not doing them at the high enough level to get the result. If you're not doing that, maybe you're not that serious about your goals. And this is where they usually will argue with us as coaches. Oh, yes, I'm absolutely serious. Okay, so your actions in your daily schedule have to reflect how serious you are about that goal. Otherwise, we don't buy it. I mean, that's just the, the honest facts. And on that note, I've got to get over to my premier coaching clients so that I can make sure that they're on track. I'm turning the call back to you, Tim. Yes, no problem. So listen, listeners, here's what you do with this uh, podcast. By the way, Julie and I allow ourselves to go on tangents, and I'll tell you why. A, because it makes the podcast more fun for us. There's that. But also, it's because we, based on the emails you guys have sent us, know that some of the tangents that we <laughs> will allow ourselves the luxury of going down, the rabbit holes we occasionally choose to fall in, that some of those uh, you know, tangents are what you guys get the most out of in terms of the podcast. And I really appreciate that feedback because then it also leaves breadcrumbs as to where else we should be focusing our energies. And I'll tell you again, I really love doing this podcast in that I know we're having an impact on tens of thousands of small business owners, a.k.a. agents' lives, is because I see and I hear um, the stories that you guys share with us in email, in text occasionally, or on you know our private Facebook group page if you're one of our coaching clients. And it's amazingly motivational to me to hear that some of the things that you may have listened uh, to us say maybe years ago have had such an impact. We've had people come up to us. We had this happen at the airport. We had this happen just at various places where we'll get recognized, and people will come up to us, and they'll actually specifically cite a podcast that was impactful on their lives. That brings a tear to my eye. It really does uh, because it's just amazing what – some of you are doing with this information. It, it really validates what we're doing, but the word's not even validating. It reinforces that Julie and I are doing our life's mission and, and frankly being true to what we say to all of you, which is the highest and truest purpose of all of us is to be of service to other people. I know that resonates with all of you, and I always you know, predicate that by saying unless you're a sociopath, but it is true because you know in your heart of hearts that the time you feel the most alive is when you're helping other people. A salesperson who's good and competent is helping somebody accomplish a specific problem or goal or, you know, whatever. So being sales, being being in sales and being in really close attachment to the idea that the highest and truest purpose of all of us is being a service to others, those ideas are the same. Being a great salesperson is being a great people helper. You guys get it? So for those of you who have issues with regards to how you think about being a salesperson, and a lot of you do on a very deeply rooted – you know, Julie and I are in Orange Theory the other day, and there's this couple that we're friends with. She's a nurse, and he's a police officer. Very nice people, super sweet, very competitive with Julie and I when we're exercising, especially on the treadmill, which is awesome because it makes us both – they're like – you know, 10 years younger than us, so it's fun to beat them. <laughs> but that aside, so I just had, the, uh, she in particular, well, both of them would make brilliant real estate people. They're so personable. They have, they are not afraid to have conversations with strangers. Um, they're very direct. 
they just wonder they would kick ass as real estate salespeople. And of course, we mentioned that to her in particular, and her without thinking about it reaction was like if we'd just given Zoe, you know, something that she really dislikes as far as baby food or I mean she's almost, you know, she's five and a half, so it's not you guys get the point. You know the uh the face that little kids make when you're trying to get them to eat something that they don't want to eat. That's the face that she gave me when I suggested that she got into sales. And I and and then she realized she it happened so fast that it happened on a subconscious level. So her core level DNA was repelled against the idea of her being a salesperson. You know, and then she sort of apologized for that afterwards and I told her she didn't need to apologize. Like, you know, I get it. I understand why you think that way and that's the reason you're a nurse. You know, because you have some issue in your head around the uh, idea of you being a salesperson. And some of you have that same issue. Some of you have that same set of beliefs about what it means to be a fantastic salesperson. So this is what I said to her. And yes, it was a little bit obnoxious, but you know, I had time, so we just did a little coaching session. I told her that she's obviously a brilliant salesperson because she's a successful nurse. And she didn't like that, by the way. And I explained to her, do you have to talk people into doing specific procedures? And she said, well, not only that, she said one of my main jobs is to basically be on the phone and to take calls from people who have questions about um, what their doctor or their nurse just told them to do with regards to medications and whatnot. So you then, this is me, have to then sell them into listening to what their medical professional told them to do in order for them to get better. And she said, I never thought of it that way. So you are a salesperson. You are selling people on what they need to do to get healthy again to stop being sick. And that was, you know, did it have any sort of meaningful impact on her life? Probably not. But the concept is still the same. The most successful people in the history of history have always been fantastic salespeople. And then when you are willing to accept that as being true, because it is, and you set aside your preconceived notions, which you might not even realize are the, is, is part of the 800-pound gorilla on your back, is the belief that you have to be a great salesperson. Once you accept that and realize there's honor in that, you realize that's in total alignment with being of service to other people, which is how you are designed by God to be of service to other people. You following me here, listeners? Once you accept all these things and put all these thoughts together, your life is going to get much, much easier because you're going, to, you're going to shed through and blow through tons of things that are causing you conflict. You're going to have a North Star that tells you, gives you permission to start saying no to some of the distracting ego-based things that are out there, which are omnipresent in our world right now. This is going to put you in alignment with the person that you want to be. This is the next step for so many of you. I hope, hopefully that resonates, and there's another example of a rabbit hole that I chose to go down because I have a feeling it will be impactful on some of you, <laughs> okay? So if you guys need us with it, uh, for anything, it's Tim at TimAndJulieHarris.com or Julie at TimAndJulieHarris.com. If you want to text me, you may do so. I'm enjoying some of the texts I'm getting. No, no inappropriate text yet. I'm kind of let down. I'm just kidding. Um, my, my, uh, my phone number is 512-758-0206. But remember, do not text me. If you want the free books, you need to text um, Harris to 31996. So do not text me if you want a free coaching call. And do not text my cell phone number if you want the free books. You have to text the word Harris to 31996. And then when you do so, you will receive those instantaneously. In the meantime, you all have a fantastic day. We'll talk to you on the show tomorrow. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, 
visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.